Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Connie. And I'm Danny. And as God is transforming the seasons into this beautiful fall moment, God is also seeking to transform our hearts and lives through the celebration of worship. We're glad that you've joined us. Come on in. Our first lesson comes from John's Gospel, the last chapter, the 21st chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is continuing the story that Connie started in John 21. We are picking up in verse 15 and moving the next through next several verses through chapter through verse 19. Listen again with fresh ears. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" He said to him, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." Jesus said to him, 
feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord's been good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need. Is it really that simple? We could jazz it up. We could consult theologians, philosophers, the artwork throughout history, the words of Christ and the disciples, our own testimonies and statements of faith, great scholarship, great wisdom. And yet, I don't know that for this stewardship moment, that it would be any more effective than what we just heard. Jesus told us, a little child will lead us. We had two today. It is more than out of the mouths of babes. It is right on, right on. The Lord's been good to us. How? So much of our response to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is in recognizing what God has done for us, first and foremost, through Jesus Christ. But every day in our lives, God is present. God has been good to us. Does our scripture for the day, what does it, how does it inform our statement this morning? Well, let's Let's take a look. We're at the end of John, John chapter 21. We are post-resurrection, but just barely. Jesus has appeared twice to the disciples. So far, this is Jesus' third time to meet up with them to make sure that they know that he has indeed risen. They've been locked up for fear of the Jews and the Romans that are still seeking to wipe out this these followers of this supposed Messiah. We've been through doubting Thomas, who, because he wasn't at the first one, said, I don't believe, I didn't see it, I didn't touch it. And then Jesus appeared again and said, look, it's me. Touch if you need to. And so now the disciples, still bewildered, still overwhelmed with their surroundings, not quite understanding, not quite getting it together or putting together, 
not quite courageous or faithful or ready to stand yet on what is still processing in their minds, hearts, and lives. These disciples do what they've always done. They went fishing. It's where they started. It's what they've done all of their lives. And probably throughout their day, as they are catching fish and doing the things that they do centered around that vocation, they are working through in their minds, as we all do at work. We're doing our work, but we're also thinking other things. We're processing different things. They were uncomfortable. They were overwhelmed. They weren't sure what to do or where to go. So they went back to what they knew. They went fishing. So all night, nothing. Not a fish. Not one do they catch these professional, lifelong fishermen. Nets are empty. And then just after daybreak, just as the sun rose to dispel the darkness, there on the shore was somebody. Had a fire going, got his Weber grill, got the charcoal all ready to get perfect gray. Always takes a little bit longer to get there. I always start too early. They could smell that charcoal fire. But who was he? Looked, and it was John, the beloved disciple. Said, it is the Lord, it's Jesus. And then Peter, knowing what we know about Peter, passionate, sometimes not fully thinking about actions, puts on his clothes, for which we are thankful. And he jumps out of the water and he swims to shore and he meets Christ. Of course, in this process, Jesus has told them, cast your net on the other side. Boom, filled. Filled. 153 fish. Not sure what that means other than it's 153 fish, which is a lot, especially if they're big ones. In a small net of these hands-on fishermen, net didn't break. Took all of them. They weren't that far. They had to swim it in because they couldn't lift it onto the boat. And a miracle happens. They recognize, well, at least John does. So they come and they gather, and they're quiet. Nobody says anything yet. You would think they'd be all jumping up and down and coming up from the lake into the, onto the shore, giving Jesus hugs, high-fiving, cartwheels, what, whatever. Jesus, again, is alive. Again, third time. But it's strangely quiet. Jesus says, come, have breakfast. They knew it was him, but they didn't know how or what to say. So right away, we see that Jesus is again setting the disciples for their call, their mission, and thus ours. Jesus is proving again, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that all the things he said were true. Not just his teachings and miracles, which he just continued to do, 
but his crucifixion, which they all left him for. It could be the reason that they continued to be upset and not know what to say. Most of them abandoned him at his death. But true, too, is the resurrection out of the tomb. How can that happen? Only God can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And here again, he's showing them. As if to say, this is the base from which you will then go and take your life, share what you know, bring others to me. It will not be easy, but it is real, and now you need to respond. In that process, Jesus speaks to Peter, all excited, dripping wet by the fire. And he says the threefold questions. Do you love me? Three times. Why? Well, we think it's countering and letting Peter off the hook and really all of the disciples for the way that they abandoned Christ at his crucifixion. Peter denied Christ three times. Jesus gives him three opportunities to declare his love for him. Peter doesn't quite get it because he gets offended about the second to the third. But what do you mean? Of course, you know me, you know my heart, I love you. And didn't say, well, you, you walked out on me, you abandoned me in my moment of need. Each time Peter says, I love you, of course I do. Jesus says, tend my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of them. Take care of them. And that has been the legacy of the church from that moment to this. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of the ways that that manifests God's love for us and for the world. And the fact that we've been given everything that we need. If Jesus had appeared those two times, but not this third, we might be in danger of just seeing the Bible as a purely historical document. We might look back as we would a history book or another textbook that we might study with a fixed past and say, gosh, those were great stories. Jesus did some amazing things. Look what happened here. He healed, he taught, he was born, came into the world, crucifixion, resurrection, all of the relationships he had, the healings, all of that. Great stuff. We look back on it with fondness. But I'm convinced that Jesus continues to appear to them not just so they'll know that all he has taught is right and true, but he feeds them. He feeds them through a meal that he has prepared. Many early Christians use drink and fish, not bread, as the Eucharist, as communion from this meal because Jesus prepared it as if to say, I will continue to nourish you. I am alive and I will continue to give you what you need throughout this life, throughout this journey, and throughout the rest of the world. And in that way, Absolutely, the Lord has been good to us. 
because God gives us the things that we need. Jesus tells him again, before he leaves shortly, to go and care for his sheep. And in doing so, that legacy, these stories, that faith has come from that day forward to here. Think about all that has happened in the world and changed from that day to this. It's a long time ago. It was a different culture, a different time, in a different place. United States wasn't here. Our church wasn't here. We have inherited from every disciple, from Jesus Christ, the faith that has been passed from family to family, from parent to parent to child, to cousins to friends, to people with whom we work, people in the world, people we know, people we don't know. That faith and these truths have been passed for thousands of years to get to us today. Our history as a church in the 1830s, still a long time ago. World was a very different place. Our country was a very different place. And yet they sat in this place with the same faith that you claim today that Jesus told those disciples. They lived it. They struggled. They scratched and they clawed through their doubts and their fears and their celebrations and their joys. And through all of it, Christ continued to nourish them and give them what they needed. And it lands on us today. Here in this sanctuary, in every home living room space where you are, where Christians are joined together this morning, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we do every Sunday. We are called to be those stewards, meaning we use well the gifts that we've been given. It is about money, but it's not just about money. It is the return of the gift of everything in our lives. Think about a God who created the earth and us human beings as a part of it, whose breath is proclaimed with every child's first breath to every older adult's last breath and everyone in between. God is present and we are made in God's image. Imagine that. These bodies, this receding hairline, this chiseled gelatinous mass was made in God's image. Do we believe it? That creator then sent someone to redeem us from ourselves, from the ways that we are so self-centered, the way that we refuse to fully trust and give ourselves to God through Christ. The Redeemer, that is Christ, redeems us from the pit, from the despair, from the abyss, from that endless labyrinth, as Calvin said, to bring us to new life, as we talk about in our confession time. That is God, the Creator, Christ, the Redeemer, and then that third and that formula we often say, 
the sustainer. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of God that still remains with us after Christ ascended and the Spirit descended at Pentecost. It is the Spirit of Jesus Christ that is in our hearts, in our lives, in this worship space and in the world that comforts us, that convicts us, that teaches us, that connects us to Christ and one another, that gives us gifts to you so that others will know what we know, at least to a certain degree, and that each of us is called and created by God and loved And God is walking with us intimately in this journey so that others will know it is now our watch. It is our time to make sure that we are the witnesses that those first disciples were. Otherwise, it all goes away. And it stops here. Think about through those who have given their life throughout time to make sure that the church and Christianity did not cease those who stood up to principalities, authorities, armies because of their faith, those who were martyred in faith, our foundation through the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, Luther, Calvin, others stood up, were excommunicated, their lives at risk, but yet they were called to be faithful in a new and different way. And the church of Jesus Christ continued to grow in different pieces, different places, and is now us and all those, again, who proclaim that Christ has been raised today and every day in every corner of the world, and certainly at First Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Georgia. What a celebration. What a joy it is for us to inherit all of that. And with that, comes that responsibility. How do we respond to the gifts that we've been given? How do we know that the Lord's been good to us? And how do we thank the Lord? We thank the Lord by giving back everything that we can. Primarily our lives to surrender to God. Those gifts that were given by the Holy Spirit were given to be used. Faith was given to be used, not understood and set aside. It increases when we use it. Many aspects of our faith are like that. We are called to be stewards who realize the goodness of God's grace from day one from Adam and Eve to this day in this sanctuary. The Lord has been good to us. And so we thank the Lord for giving us the things we need. How will we do that? How will we take what we've inherited and give back to God and the world? Amen.